Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Save Me an Aisle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Yo. Today we will be going over the hit musical, Cats, in what I believe, I don't know what number we're on, so I'm going to skip the part. <laughs> and on this one, we will be covering the original 1983 Broadway cast edition, which you can find on our Spotify. So some background on the book. A lot of people uh, might not know this, but it was based on a poetry book by T.S. Eliot titled Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. And uh, the plot of the, the poems basically it follows a, a clan of jellicle cats. And the poems are very rhythmic and therefore were easily set to music. And previous attempts to set them to music weren't widely accepted. So I guess people just weren't that good with it. But they were very rhythmical uh, sounding poems. The poems were originally written for Eliot's Godchildren in the late 1930s. Andrew Lloyd Webber began putting Eliot's poems to music in 1977 as, a, as just like a writing exercise. Because Eliot's book was a childhood favorite of his. And he actually had no intention of performing them for anyone other than his family and friends. But later he was sort of, um, he kind of got the idea to <clears throat> turn it into a televised concert anthology. And he had done a, a previous series for BBC kind of doing the same thing for a different set of music that he did. So he was like, oh, maybe I can do that with the Cats music. At the 1980s uh, Sidmonton, which was like um, a showcase of music and stuff, he presented a song cycle called Practical Cats. And... Just so happened that uh, T.S. Eliot's widow, Valerie, was in attendance that night, and she brought along poems that had been unpublished previously. And uh -huh. even, even one that had been deemed too sad for children uh, was called Grizabella the Glamour Cat. And uh, this, this poem was so detailed and humanistic that Andrew Lloyd Webber fell in love with the character and realized that the other characters needed more than a poem, and they deserved a full-on musical production and he began setting the unpublished poems to music and wrote an overture called the jellicle ball so it's a it's a very interesting progression of hey this book is really cool let me write some fan stories about it and oh shit i think <clears throat> this can be like a really good musical so then of course weber began taking this the amusable route uh, it was originally envisioned as a five cast two piano show but of course, Weber wanted a full musical production. Gotta go all out. That's what this show is about, right? <laughs> uh, it was decided to forego the usual narrative route in favor of more like isolated musical numbers. So it's all about the music and the dance versus the plot line. <laughs> Clearly, Clearly, once we get through it. <laughs> the Jellicle Ball and the journey to the heavy side layer uh, are mentioned in the unpublished poems were then expanded upon to give the cats a reason to gather and actually sing about themselves instead of just a bunch of random introductions about cats. Right, yeah, they have a reason to come together and sing about themselves. <laughs> Otherwise it would just be pointless, more so than it already is. Um, <laughs> of course, one of the requirements to be musical was that Judy Dench, amazing as she is, had to be casted. So she was cast in a dual role, playing both Grizabella and Jenny Anydots. And she was actually cast in the 2019 movie as Old Deuteronomy. 
which I thought that was a neat little thing. I was like, oh, cool. That's why they put her back in this one. It's the role she could still play. Like, that was awesome. So in 1980, auditions began across the UK for dancers that could sing and act, including Sarah Brightman, who had a super powerful reputation even then. Uh, she was cast as Jemima. And side note, she was actually married to Weber from 1984 to 1990. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. People hook up in the weirdest ways, right? True. Yeah. So uh, it was decided to keep the promotional poster simplistic. So we get the classic yellow eyes on a black background, with the pupils being dancers. Very. The title Practical Cats was considered too long for this simple story so the title was just shortened to cats yeah i guess the poster like didn't look as good with practical cats so they were just like man just cut that out <laughs> which is fine Fair. it's just cats just cats um the musical musical was set to open on april 30th 1981 and the previews for this show started on april 22nd tickets went on sale mid-february um but interestingly enough it was revealed around this time that the script had yes had yet to be finished. <laughs> oh. Yep. Uh, or the score. They hadn't finished the score yet either. But they were like, uh, let's just do the rehearsals anyway. So the rehearsals began anyway, uh, despite not having the script or the score. And interestingly enough, uh, most of the characters and like the relationship between between the characters were created because the cast was improvising during their rehearsals. So the story was actually built about around their interactions, just kind of going off of the poems and like a couple songs that they had. So uh, by the end of it, they they had all these background stories and interactions because the characters had to come up with something so they could just go on with rehearsal. So I thought that was really, really cool. That's skill. I mean, that's bad, but cool. Yeah, it's bad that it had to happen, but cool that the actors were able to create a world around this. Um, unfortunately, the production had a last-minute mishap when Judy Dench snapped her Achilles tendon during practice. Ouch. Yes. Yeah, I was just like, oh. <laughs> Opening night was pushed back to May 11th, but uh, they refused to push it back any further than that because at the time, it, there was already a lot of rumors that the show was dead in the water, which scared off a lot of potential investors. They actually struggled to raise the required 1.16 million U.S. dollars needed to uh, open on the West End Theater, and I believe that was like 450,000 pounds in the in the U.K. But Weber personally took out a second loan on his house to pay for the missing money. So Ooh. if Cats had been a flop, Weber even admitted this, uh, he would have been in financial ruin. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Uh, luckily for him, though, there was uh, the rest of the money happened to be raised by small investments from over 220 individuals through newspaper advertisements. Lucky for them, after the musical beca- became a hit, investors were estimated to have made a return of over 3,500 percent. Oh wow! Ooh, good for lot. them. Yeah, talk about taking a gamble and winning it big! Like holy cow! Yeah. So they're they're rolling. So so some fun facts about the show is uh, it is the fourth longest running Broadway production. Um, I heard, I think Lion King is number three. So it's just right after Lion King. 
Oh, ye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the original production used yak hair for the wigs, more than 3,000 pounds of it. Gross. Good lord. Very a lot of yak. A lot of yak. yak, yak. The yak attack. <laughs> <laughs> it has won seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical, which is interesting. Memory, one of the most popular songs in the show, has been recorded by more than 150 artists. Not surprised. Wow. Yeah. Weren't you saying something like a lot of audition, they do that? Yeah, because it's a great, powerful song and it's uh, shorter than a lot of songs. So it's really good for auditioning. A fun fact, the show is actually performed entirely in song, whereas a lot of musicals have breaks in between for characters to talk to each other. No, they just sing and dance. <laughs> that's it yep. <laughs> no, yeah they do I must dance must dance and uh, talk with their bodies their <laughs> we do know about the 2019 movie but we are going to wait to talk about that until after we talk about this show because that's a, a whole nother deal <laughs> um, another beast another another beast uh, <laughs> can of worms will save <laughs> So now that all the background is out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into Act 1. Okay, so Act 1. So after we get the overture, all the cats gather to explain uh, the Jellicle clan and its purpose in the song Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. Don't ask us what Jellicle means because we don't know. <laughs> yes. <Just> note <laughs> that it is not short for angelical it is or anything else that would make sense. Right. It is just a, a word Jellicle. Yeah. It's like yep. the clan name. Yeah, it's, right? it's their it's their like clan name. And I think it came from it was like a poem called Jellicle Jellicle Cats and Polygal Dogs or something like that. <laughs> something yeah, weird. Yep, um, cause that makes sense. Listen, T. S. Eliot didn't realize it was gonna be a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> the cats actually notice that they're being watched by a human audience and sing the song The Name of Cats, which goes into how cats have three names, one that the humans give them. One they give themselves, and a third one which no one will ever guess. That makes sense. I know. Like I don't know why we have the third one. Like, come on now. And it's it's kind of funny that the the cats often break the fourth wall as they explain everything to the human audience, so they know they're being watched. Victoria gives a ballet solo to signify the start of the Jellicle Ball in the song "Invitation to the Jellicle Ball," and we're introduced to Munkastrap, who is the show's main narrator. He's the the main cat. He explains how old Deuteronomy, the patriarch of the Jellicoe clan, is going to choose a cat to go to the Heaviside Lair to start a new life. And this is uh, T.S. Eliot's way of playing on cats having nine lives. So Munkastrap first int introduces us to Jenny Any Dots uh, in a song called The Old Gumby Cat. And she is a cat who is very lazy during the day, but often comes uh, very active during the night. And she teaches mice and cockroaches manners and various uh, good deeds around the house. After that, we are introduced to a rum tum tugger who comes onto the stage to introduce himself, kind of sort of interrupting everybody else because that's just who he is. He is portrayed as being fickle and unpleasable, considered a, a bit of a playboy in the cat world. Because he just, he just wants what he wants, and that's that. <laughs> or he's Jason Derulo. Or <laughs> We're not going to talk about it <laughs> yet. Yet, not yet. Not yet. Um, next, uh, we are introduced to Grizabella, who comes on the stage, and she's just this old, dejected, sad cat. 
and um, she actually has been shunned from the clan. Uh, and she and they sing about this in Grizabella, the glamour cat. She used to be beautiful, and so she kind of chased chased the limelight, as it were, instead of staying with her family. So the rest of the cats kind of treat her with disrespect and fear because she's gross and probably stinky, and they they scare her off the stage. <laughs> and she's like, "You're not allowed to be. You're not allowed to be part of our family. Get out of here, you nasty." Aww, yeah, such I know. Sad. sad old cat. Then we get introduced to Bustaford Jones, who sings about himself, of course. <laughs> he is the cat about town, as the song is named. And he's just this very prestigious fat cat. He looks like he's dressed in a suit and he just like struts around and he just, you know, he's he's the popular guy and he eats all the friggin' time. So he's very fat. And he frequents the gentleman clubs around town. So, uh-uh. fancy boy. A crash off stage scares the cats off, and then we're introduced to another pair: Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteza. <laughs> Rumpelteza. They're a lot of fun. They're fun. <laughs> they're so much fun. I gotta say, the uh, best. So they're cat. a pair of cats who, I mean, they're they're a little dangerous, but sure. In a way. <laughs> cat burglars. In their own special way. <laughs> They're criminals. It's fine. It's fine. So they, of course, cause a bunch of trouble around town, and they break into homes, and they wreck things, and steal stuff. And But, you know, they do a nice little dance together, so that's a lot of fun to watch <laughs> and listen to. The song's very upbeat, I think. It's adorable. So then the cats all reappear as Old Deuteronomy, the older, wiser cat of the group who's lived multiple lives. Self-titled song, Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> Uh, he's actually charged with choosing the cat that will eventually go to the heavyside lair. But as they're all singing and hanging out and whatnot, the cats are interrupted by the sounds of the evil cat, Macavity. Macavity. But it seems all sneaky, sneaky. Nothing is found. And so then the song, The Jellicle Ball, begins, which is a super great dance number. A lot of fun. And. They're all having a, a ball, as you will. <laughs> <laughs> Great laugh, you guys. Grizabella tries to come back in and dance with everyone, but she's a little too old and she's still really grimy and no one really likes her. So they all kind of chase her off and just keep dancing. Get out of here, you dumb old cat. You can't dance no more. You can't sit with us. You're gross and yucky. Please. Yuck. <laughs> So yeah, that is uh, Act 1. It's a lot of just uh, meeting cats. That's basically what the show is about. You do get a little bit of background on, you know, why they're doing this. And Old Deuteronomy is going to pick one of them to die. Um, and get reborn. Go, go up to the moon and be reborn, okay? Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> so Obviously. All of us have listened to the music and sort of seen it. So, does anyone have any questions or comments about the first act? This show's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it Did is. Did you expect something different? Show I didn't know what to expect, cats. honestly. But I know it's a lot more about, like, the movements and the, the choreography than, yes. like, more so the story. So... But yeah, I could just get in the rundown of it. I was just like, this is, I have no idea what's happening in this story. <laughs> yeah, basically the, the whole thing is like, 
Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, I can make a song out of whatever. And <laughs> then he did. But, and it's but should you? <laughs> yeah. Maybe shouldn't have, but it it's still such a classic and it it enables such a beautiful range of choreography that I think I think that's pretty much why it gets picked up so often is different uh, directors are like oh I have the perfect idea for this song and they're gonna move like this and it's it's a great creative uh, outlet in that regard. Also gives a lot of representation to just dancers in general and the the power of dance and the power or the meaning behind those different movements like you said like each director has their own way of seeing it because you know dance doesn't just go one way there are so many different ways to represent a single mood or a single like yeah. type of each cat moves differently and they all have like super powerful it's it's really really neat and uh i mean seeing it is very beautiful just kind of seeing how that represents like i mean like the story is very weak technically but uh that's not why we we watch it there's a good variety of like different types of music or different speeds and stuff like like you said every cat kind of has their own like tune mm-hmm. and it, it it stands out a lot it's really nice i guess it's all for act one and our intermission so kylie you have a theater fact for us i do in the years following the roman empire women were allowed to act in plays women would not be allowed on the English stage until 1660. In ancient Rome, there were a number of famous actresses, including one of Emperor Nero's concubines, Acte. So it's, it's really funny. It's like the Roman Empire was just like, yeah, cool, women can be on stage. But the English were like, yeah, women are dumb. Women and they can't icky. act. Right, like that's just, that just blows my mind. <laughs> and like, men had to act like the women. Right, like, how does that make any more sense? Come on, guys. This little woman be women. But yeah, that's our theater fact. Are we ready to hop into Act 2 of this madness? You mean pounce. Pounce? You are right. Pounce. (laughs) Okay, Act 2. So we start off with old Deuteronomy, and he contemplates the meaning of happiness in relation to Grizabella, but the other cats don't seem to understand. So he he tries to get the youngest cat of the clan, Jem- Jemima, try to explain it to them in the moments of happiness. So she, so she's trying to translate his feelings on Grizabella and her her how she deserves happiness and whatever. All the cats are like, "What? No, she's old, stinky." Um, <laughs> so they just kind of go on with their with their ball, and we get to meet Gus, who is uh, short for asparagus. And he is... Really normal name for a cat. Yeah, asparagus, obviously. Maybe it's what you smell. I don't know. It's kind of cute. It's kind of cute. So uh, he sings uh, in Gus the Theater Cat. And he actually sings about his many years on the stage. And uh, his caretaker, Jelly Lorem, helps him sing about his history. And because he's old and he's got palsy. So he, he's a so he's a shaky old cat. But he comes alive when he talks about his uh, show on the stage. And one of his many stories is about him playing Growl Tiger um, in the to- in the song Growl Tiger's Last Stand, and it's all about this tiger who is big and bad, and he's the the fiend of the of the of the tames, and how but he falls in love with a really sweet cat who tames him and stuff like that. It's really cute. And for the longest time, I 
I didn't realize that it was Gus singing about being Growl Tiger. I thought Growl Tiger was just his own guy. So, uh, whoops. But yeah, Growl Tiger. Oopsies. Was, yeah, Growl Tiger is one of his biggest uh, accomplishments on the stage. So next we uh, find Skimble Shanks, who's just curled up in a corner sleeping. And Skimble Shanks is the railway cat. He is the unofficial master of the railway train. So the train can't possibly run without him, obviously. And uh, they never leave the station without him because he's like their good luck charm. And uh, after his song, the cats are interrupted again by a loud crash and an evil laugh, signifying that McCavity <clears throat> is near. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, 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 bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bump. And McCavity is considered the Napoleon of crime. And uh, unfortunately, his minions enter and kidnap old Deuteronomy. <gasps> Gasp. But Monkastrap and some of the other other big tough cats give chase. And while they're off chasing him, two of the female cats, Demeter and Bombalarina, explain what they know of McCavity in the song McCavity, the Mystery Cat. Afterwards, there's a really, really big fight where McCavity gets into it with Monkastrap and the clan and everyone like teams up on him and he's ultimately defeated. And it's a really, really cool like dance fight number. It's really, really neat. Not like West Side Story fight number. It's like a lot of throwing and cool stuff. Fight. We get introduced to eight another cat, Mr. Mistopheles. Cute little guy. Cute. Uh, in the song, Mr. Mistopheles, the magical cat. He is summoned in the hopes of bringing back old Deuteronomy, saving the day. So he is a mystical cat who can perform magic that no other cat can, so that's pretty fancy. And he sings a song, and he really tries, and he manages to bring back old Deuteronomy. Yay. Yay. Problem is solved. The day is saved. And now, old Deuteronomy can make the jellical choice and choose which cat goes up to the heavy side lair and gets reborn. Grizabella, the sad old cat, returns and tries again to rejoin the clan. She sings a song, Memory, like we said, super well-known song. And her song is, is super powerful and it's just so like like sad and, and, and angsty <laughs> <laughs> that it, move, it moves the clan and they decide that she's allowed to rejoin them. She is now a jellical cat again. Yay. And because of all that Yay! Yay! So exciting. And now she gets to die. Yay. Because <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. You're one of us. Now die. Now um, you won't be. You've Great. won death. <laughs> Ta-da! Old Deuteronomy decides that Grisabella is is worthy of going up to the heavy side layer and being reborn. So she is the angelical choice. Ta-da! Ta-da! So this is the song, The Journey to the Heavy Side Lair. Uh, every production actually has a different representation of this. So some use, you know, stairs. The cat walks up the stairs and disappears. There's a chandelier. There's a balloon that rises up. There's a spaceship that vrooms off, obviously. Um, <laughs> Just in, depends on their interpretation. In, in, in a stage way, you know. Yeah. But obviously very different representations. But the point is the same. The cat is sent off to this mystical heavy side lair. And the show comes to a close as old Deuteronomy sings directly to the audience, the addressing of cats. And he describes the proper way that humans should address cats and points out that cats are not dogs. So, That's you know, important. So because otherwise I would never have known that. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So she told Deuteronomy, he's like, hey, you, you can't call a cat. You just gotta, you gotta treat them like a person. They they deserve to be greeted like royalty. Which if you like those stupid old cat, dogs. Yeah, it's the truth, though. Like, dogs are just like, hey, hi, what's up? Hey, how you doing? And I love you. Like, Come back. Mm, you, may, you may approach me, peasant. So, that's with cats. this song, the show comes to a close. Yep. That's cats, everybody. Cats. That's a weird one. Yes. So, uh, before we go into the next chunk of this, uh, does anyone have any comments about Act 2? I'm still confused. <laughs> Then it's the proper way to be. You've listened to it properly. <laughs> I thought it's just who named all these cats? T.S. Eliot. He has a lot of interesting names. Like I, I'm just kind of confused because like the whole time cats are supposed to be like whimsical and like funky and all this stuff, and then there's just like some that are just actually magic. There's just yeah, there's just one <laughs> in the stage production. It's just Mr. Mistopheles. I know, but like. I mean, well, technically, isn't... No. Um, it's just for the movie. Oh. Okay. Then never mind. I'm mistaken. But still, Magic Cat's weird. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's like legit magic, and I don't get it either, but it solves a, a problem. <laughs> we don't know how to wrap up this story. Yeah. And it, be, and it could be one of those, like, Mr. Mistopheles already had Deuteronomy hidden under a secret compartment and it's like, ah, magic, woof. But Maybe, yeah, we'll no, never no. know because the, the songs don't continue and the story makes no sense. Yeah. It napped the wrong cat. It did. The cat napped him. So yeah, that's, <laughs> now that's the play production. I believe the cast recording was made in 1983, but it aired on Broadway in 1981. I thought it, I thought it was a Interesting to listen to like the background of it and find out that Sarah Brightman actually played a pretty small character, although she she had um, she had like a secret audition. She had like a private audition because she was already hmm. a, a semi big name at the time. Uh, so now we can talk about. So all of us have listened to the soundtrack now and we all decided to go see the movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we we had read the reviews and went in not expecting much and were not disappointed. Uh so, <laughs> so the show the show more or less still follows the same plot line, except the character of Victoria is uh the main character of the movie, and she kind of acts as representation for uh, she's like she's a new cat and so the cats have someone to talk to about why they're doing all this instead of an audience which is uh, an interesting switch but other than that most of it's the same except McCavity is magic like legit magic in the movie he just teleports everywhere for some reason so he kidnaps all of the other cats contestants in order to be the only one chosen for the heavy side layer so he like magics all the other cats away right Onto a boat. Yeah, just to a boat, though. Just to a boat. I don't like water. Yeah. And also, in the movie, Growl Tiger is a real character, which is interesting. So they actually made him a a character in that, so he's like a bad guy or whatever. 
He's, he's more of a henchman. He's just a henchman. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it didn't help clearing anything up for me. I'm still just as confused about this after watching the movie. But I don't think it was as bad as a lot of what the reviews were saying. Yeah, for the people that... Uh, especially people that were like, this is overly sexual. It's not. <laughs> I, mean, I definitely didn't get that vibe. I did, I did listen to one podcast and they were talking about how it's not necessarily that the movie's sexual. It's just that now there's this idea that people are, are being confronted with of human cats. So cats, i.e. are possibly fuckable. And a lot of people can't wrap their heads around that concept, which is fair. Don't, don't sleep with your cats. Please don't. Please, for the love of God, <laughs> they're not people, cats. Uh, <laughs> so it's just one of those, like, people haven't ever considered that concept before. So a lot of creepy people. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Bad answer. Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't, it wasn't sexual, I don't think. For no. People, for people that don't watch any ballet, I can see where they got that confusion, but it's because you have to express a lot of emotion with your body without using words. It's a very um, different art form. Yeah, so I think that there were two main things that I think bothered me the most. One of them was the CGI. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that the musical, stage musical Cats is known for is that people in that like crazy makeup with the big wigs and like the, the yeah, latex her. suits and like yak fur right yeah, and so like we're used to that crazy look but the fact that it was like realistic in the movie made it so much weirder like it was just it was so wrong was to weird. look at and i did not need a a kendall idris elba yeah no um, on point that. so morning i guess if you're gonna see it and so that was weird but also just yeah, it's just one of those shows that doesn't apply well to a movie because the point of the stage musical is that they're presenting it to an audience. They're introducing the cats to the audience and they're showing you the story versus in the movie it's all pointed towards this new cat, this other cat, Victoria, and it's just it's arranged slightly differently and it just doesn't come off the same. They like don't give any more information than what the play does. So, like, if you're going in not knowing anything, you still come out not knowing anything, really. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, it's just so weird. Because it's just like, ah, oh, yes, jellical. Uh-huh. We still have no idea what jellical means. We don't know what the heavy side layer is. And it's... We don't know how any of these cats got their names. Yeah. Earlier <laughs> we said it's kind of like their clan, but they're still, like, the jellical ball. There's a jellical moon. There's they the say that word choice. so many times. And it means nothing to us. So many times. Yeah, the the one thing... For history. Yeah. The one thing we, we kind of talked about, though, is is the role of Victoria is is kind of neat so the cats don't talk at the audience, which we learned is very creepy. Because yeah. at the end, uh, old Deuteronomy, who's played by Judy Dench, as we mentioned before, speaks to us, the audience, and it is creepy as all get out. He stares at you we for three whole minutes, singing a song. Cats are not dogs. While the other characters sit next to her and just like stare up into space. Yeah. Kind of touching each other. It yeah. was kind of cuddling. Yeah. Also staring mm -hmm. at us occasionally. So I could have done without that. Could have done without that. So yeah, I, I liked the um changed Victoria's character. 
like because in the musical she was just like considered the most beautiful cat i think is all she's she's dressed as pure white in the musical so i, I kind of liked that her character was expanded upon to give them an outlet for all of that because that would have freaked me out if the entire show was that way no that's fair it just wasn't fully developed i don't think yeah and i think uh it was really neat that we got to get more comfortable with a lot of the the cats like because in the musical you don't get a lot of the uh, them interacting where in the in the Mm. movie you sort of you sort of got that like mr mistopheles is a much more established character which like because amber mentioned earlier that he was such a cutie like in the (laughs) in the musical he's only around for the one song he's not even in the rest of it but in the movie, he's in the like an entire movie thing. So that yeah. was so that's kind of neat, at least. So you're not just like, who's this random mus- mu- magical cat? It's like, oh, it's Mr. Mistopheles. He's been talking about magic this entire time. That I think was a nice little fix. I think the awesome. cast as well really yeah. messed things up for me. I mean, Jason Derulo because like I know th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that movies get sold because of power casts. I yeah. get it. Yeah. However, I didn't like watching James Corden be Bustopher Jones. All I could see was James Corden. Yeah, that's true. You know, like I didn't, I didn't totally get a feel for the character because I was too busy recognizing the fact that it was James Corden was or, James you know, Corden Rebel Wilson or Taylor Jason Swift. Derulo, for God's sakes. <laughs> I was waiting for him to just shout his name the entire time. Well, he gets to yeah. sing a whole song called Rum Tum Tugger, so it's kind of the same. No, I was just expecting like, him to be like, I'm Rum Tum Tugger. Jason Derulo. He needs to actually do Rum Tum Tugger on one of his actual songs and see if anyone notices. <laughs> anyone notices. Yeah, Ian McKellen was an odd one to see. So I feel like if the cast had been unknowns to me, I would have liked it slightly more because I would have been able to focus more on like the actual cast they were introducing versus the actors that I knew they were right and couldn't not see yeah oh yeah that was another of our complaints was the the musical is all about you know the choreography and everything that's why it's been probably done so many times but the movie didn't highlight the dance at all it was just like every once in a while there was some dance and the the main the main actress she's a she's a you know professional dancer and they really don't let her do much. <laughs> probably did the least dancing too. Yeah, this professional ballerina who they specifically hired because she's a professional ballerina who can sing to dance like twice. Yeah, it blows my mind. One thing that I did really like though, so on a lot of the songs where it's like introducing the cats, it's like a slight variant on like the original like Broadway production of it where like the tempo is different or like, I don't know. There's usually just some slightly different, but with uh, Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, it was like yeah. a whole tap dance routine. And that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, that was neat. I'm glad they did, did it like that. So uh, our all around consensus was it wasn't as bad as we were expecting, but it still wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. And I did read an article that actually compared it to the cult following that Rocky Horror Picture Show has. Uh, I mean, I can see. So I think that's an interesting perspective, and I'm curious to see what the perspective is on this movie in a couple of years. 
yeah, I'm sure I'm sure for some people it would, it's still fantastic. But because some movies are so bad, they just get a cult following, and then yeah. you know there are all the showings of Rocky Horror where people just like curse at the screen the whole time. So maybe that'll happen with cats. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll with the meow. With the meow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely you should probably watch it just to understand, but uh, you definitely have to see this one on stage. It's definitely a better stage production. Without a doubt. One thing I did forget to mention earlier. So there was a 1998 movie of Cats, which is the one I grew up knowing. And it's um, it's basically just a theater production where they took cameras to it. And the, like, the makeup is fantastic. The costume work is amazing. The sets are beautiful. And the dancing is just... Oh my gosh. Like, the, da- the choreography in this one is phenomenal. So... I would definitely give that one a watch if you never, because there's a, I don't know if it'll come on stage in your area, but the 1998 film, while long, is still worth a watch if you're curious about the actual musical. I also was in a production of Cats, a shortened version, because it was put on by uh, younger kids. Um, That was a lot of fun, but even that had more (laughs) choreography than I think the (laughs) 2019 movie did. (laughs) Who were you? Who was I? Oh, I uh, wasn't any of the main cats, unfortunately. I was, um, <laughs> so when I was in Cats, it was at my aunt's theater. And so in the opening song, there is, uh, they talk about acrobatic cats who fly through the air on a trapeze. So I was pushed out on a tire swing. And I was the only one allowed to do this because I was related to the owner of the theater. And if I had fallen and broken my neck, it would have been fine. No one would have gotten <laughs> So I was that and I was also like, I was just tech for most of that show. And I rolled around on roller skates during the uh, overture. So cool. unfortunately, it wasn't anyone important, but I was in it. Didn't, uh, you didn't pull a Taylor Swift and be Bombalerina. Gosh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was still, I was still uh, fairly young at the time. I think I was uh, like middle school. I think that was my middle school era. So I was too too young to be a good singer at the time and I wasn't in any dance classes anymore so I was just pushed out on a tire swing and hoped I didn't die because you had family connections yes I did uh, but yeah I mean, it was a fun one it's definitely a cool show to be involved in a lot of uh, a lot of weird weird uh, choreography and weird work to do mm-hmm. yeah nice all right Okay, anyone else have stuffs? Nope. All right. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to wrap up Cats then for us. Thanks, al- as always, for listening to Save Me an ILC, and we hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any helpful tips or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com or tweet us at saveanisleseat on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Have a jellical day. Have a jellical day. Woo! Whatever that means. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. 
You can find more episodes and shows similar to this at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter at Save an Aisle Seat. We make this show just for the fun of it, but if you would like to support what we do, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash save me an aisle seat. This episode was brought to you by the Ragtag Network.